breathing again in your smile. Nothing again.
Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad to see you this morning. I have a couple of announcements today. Uh, my first one is uh, we do have a women's ministry meeting since we missed our last one. Um, we're making it up next Sunday on the 30th. It'll be at 5 o'clock. We are doing soups and sandwiches. We do have a sign-in sheet for food if you'd like to bring something. It is out in the foyer, I believe. Uh, my next announcement is for Friends and Family Day, which is February 13th. I'm very excited. Um, and with that, we actually made cards for you to pass out to your friends and family. So these are outside um, on the Welcome Center desk. If you can get them after service, um, you may take, I would like everyone to take at least two. If you would like more, please take more. Um, and then if you hand them all out and you need more, please just let us know. We will get you more. All right, so they're just this. It just says Friends and Family Day. And on the back, it just has the information of where our church is, what time it is, what day, what we're having. Um, so please, please, please take one. Welcome Center, they're out there in the foyer. Please at least take two. If you would like more, we have more, all right? Um, my next announcement is for the event planning team. We are having a meeting, and this is for everyone, um, next Sunday, right after service. It is not going to be long. We are going to run um, just over basic information, um, really show you who's in charge of which task, um, and then we will disperse after that. Uh, I just want everyone to be on the same page with that. I'm really, really, really excited for this. Um, and this, obviously, the event planning team, it is for Friends and Family Day, our first one, February 13th, all right? And then my last announcement is connection cards. All right, these are also um, on the Welcome Center desk. If you need one, please, please, please go get one. Um, you can just put your name on it, and then on the back, prayer request, okay? We want to know what you need, and we want to pray over you. All right, so if you want one, please, 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 again, go get one, Welcome Center desk. Thank you. I will pass it over to Pastor Josiah. Good morning, everybody. Will you please stand with me this morning? Riley, you put the faith statement for me, please, sir. I appreciate that. Well, good morning, everybody. This has been quite a hectic morning, considering I did not plan for the ice. So thank you to everyone who helped me trying to make it safe out there for everybody. Um, I don't know about you, but I need this faith statement this morning. I need this reminder, and I need you guys to give me some energy this morning. So when we say this, can you please help me out? Give me some energy. Let me feed off of yours because I'm kind of drained this morning. So let's say this together. Let's say it with faith. Let's say it as we believe it. We are so strong. We're Wait, no, no, we gotta say that again. I, I need a little bit more energy. Yeah, I'm telling y'all, this is a busy day today. I, my, even my small group is starting today, so I need y'all to give me some energy. Let's say it again. We I love seeing that smile this morning, Miss Johnny. It's so good to see you. 
We're not going to move over to our faith statement over our offering. Who in here could use a blessing from the Lord? And who in here wants to bless other people? Oh my gosh, I want blessings not for myself or my family and my new baby on the way, but I want blessings to bless you guys. I want blessings to bless other people. So as we say this today, let's not just say this for ourselves because we need something, but let's say this so that God can bless us and bless others through us. Let's say it together. Let's worship the Lord together today. Come on, let's start with Jesus, how I trust Him. Come on. Come on, has He proved Himself? Come on, let's come up together and worship together around the altar. Come on up, don't be ashamed. Yeah. 
there is no one like him. There is no one like him in all the earth. There is no one good like him. Come on, has he been good to you? Come on, if we're alive today with breath in our body, he's been good. Though we worship you, Jesus, we worship you. to you. He 
can work out for your good. Not for what you think is most comfortable and most fun, but for the best for your benefit. That's what that word good means, to your benefit. So, you know, even as kids, we have to do things we don't like sometimes, but why? Because our parents or grandparents or teachers know it's for our benefit. That's what that means. He can work everything out that matters to you for your best possible outcome. Isn't it wonderful to have faith in a God that's got our best interest at heart? Come on, that's how I make it. I don't know about the rest of you, but that's how I can make it in this crazy world when things happen that just, not like I said, knock the breath out of you. When this world is crazy and we don't know what's going to happen next, to know that He's in it all, good, bad, and ugly. He can make it to our best benefit, right? All we got to do is listen for His voice. Reading the Word, prayer, so simple. He can speak to us through so many things. Come on, let's say that again. I love your voice. I love your voice. Come on, He'll lead you through. You have led me through the fire. Come on, even in the dark. Darkest nights. You are close like no
Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I love that song. His goodness is running after me. How many of us, how much, how is that, is that you? That the goodness of God has continued to run after you, no matter what life threw at you, no matter what you experienced, even in that season, it may have seemed like you were going to fall apart, but the goodness of God still sustained you through all of that. I know I've been through some of those seasons, and in response to his goodness, there's a perfect segue we give our tithes and offerings. So if you would stand with me, prepare your tithes and offerings. It is time to give. We're not giving because we want something. We're giving because he's the one who gave to us first. And all good and perfect gifts are from the Father above. So as we give today, stand, get your offerings in your hands. We're going to raise it to heaven, to the one who gave it to us. All right, let's pray together. Father God, we don't give 
because we just expect to get riches and material possessions, but we give back to you because everything we have has been provided by your hand. The very air we breathe, we are sustained by the trees because you set order in the earth to provide for your children. The beauty in just outside, hearing the birds sing, seeing the trees sway in the breeze. We don't give in order to receive riches. We give because you have given us so much, not just material possessions or needs, but you sustain our very lives. It is your breath in our lungs. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins so that we could be free. Jesus, we give all the glory and honor to you today. And as we give, we are believing that people are going to be blessed through this ministry. That money does not just sit in the bank, but that we do ministry here. Seeing the needy provided for, helping those who've gone through disasters. So Jesus, as we give today, please bless these people. Watch over them, all of our church family who is out due to COVID exposure or the weather. Lord God, cover our family. As we give today, don't just bless us financially, but bless us with protection. And as we give today, bless our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. That it's not just about the American church, but the church in Afghanistan is still being persecuted. The church in Africa and China are still being persecuted. So Jesus, as we give this this money offering today, I pray that you would bless our brothers brothers and sisters with protection. Watch over them today, Lord God. Let us be a blessing to others that our prayers would stop being so self-centered, but that when we give, when we serve, we don't care about the glory we receive or what we get in return, but that we genuinely see a need and we feel a need because we know that's why we were put here, to be like Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. You can come give your offering. Church kids. Pastor Serena is right there in the back. So if you guys would go meet her, I apologize for that. Miss my key.
Brother Kenny, we got some consistency. We all can do. Praise God for Brother Kenny. We love you, brother. Faithful servant. Um, Y'all, this has been quite a morning. Uh, Yesterday, I dripped all the faucets because I was trying to be preemptive in my strike against the ice. Um, But I forgot about the sidewalks. So I'm thankful all of you got in here carefully because I did not salt the sidewalks until this morning. Y'all, you don't know how high my anxiety level was. I was like, oh gosh, if someone falls and breaks that hip, that is my fault. So I was... My heart was going about a million miles per hour this morning, so I'm glad to see all of you gotten here safe. Um, please be praying for our brothers and sisters. Uh, we have a, quite a few people out because they were exposed to people with COVID in their workplace. Um, so we have quite a few people out with that. So please just be praying for them, protection over them, that they remain healthy and stay healthy. They're just being cautious, which I definitely agree with. I think that's a great idea to be cautious in this time. Um, but we also have some people who stayed out due to the ice. And I completely understand y'all because I almost fell like five times outside. So if you stayed home, I don't blame you. I, uh, I think I walked up to Miss Lamont. I said, I'm about five seconds away from canceling church. I'm like, I can't. I'm, I'm so frustrated because I about busted my behind. But I'm glad all you guys got in here safely. And please be praying for our brothers and sisters. I am really excited because today is Baptism Sunday. And these things excite me because, yes, yes, thank you. Yes, Chrissy, there you go. This excites me, y'all, because this church has gone through a really hard season of memorial services and funerals. We've had beloved people in this church pass away. And it's, y'all, I've only been the pastor here not even eight months yet, but we had nine memorial services and funerals. And it broke my heart because this church has been hurting for the past couple months. And this does my heart so much good because just praise God, this is just good news, man. People openly identifying with the death and resurrection of Jesus is so beautiful. So my heart is happy because, y'all, I needed this. I need this. I need this encouragement, these these things to happen. So us as a church family, when that, listen, when we're doing that baptismal service in a little bit, and when I put the person under the water and they come out, I better hear y'all cheer. I better hear y'all get excited. It better sound like a USC football game in here because I know if y'all were there, you'd be screaming. So When they come out that water, I expect a huge cheer because this is amazing. This is a celebration. This is a miracle of people crossing over from death to life, and it's beautiful. And so we better celebrate, and we better get excited. If y'all would turn in your Bibles with me, we are still on the Sermon on the Mount. It'll probably be another, like, two months till we get through it. But we are starting Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And when you get there in your Bible, will you stand with me as we read it together? It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. We are going to read this together. Once you guys get it, get it in your Bible app or on your actual Bible and stand up with me as we honor the Word of God. If you can, if you can't, I completely understand. But if you can, let's honor the Word of God together. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 1 through 8. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you when you pray. Don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. You may be seated. Lord God, we just give this time of the Word to you today, that I'm not here to perform or entertain, but I'm here to equip and train the saints for every good work. So Jesus, as we read your words today, I pray that they land on good soil and they truly take root in our hearts and in our spirits, that Jesus, every day we start to look and walk a little bit more like you continuing walking to the end, but walking like you, Jesus. So as we study this today, I pray that you help us to examine our hearts, examine our minds, and to understand that it's not just the action that matters, but it's the motive and the desire behind it that matters. So King Jesus, speak through me today. Be with me as I walk in my union with you. In your body name we pray. Amen and amen. And so y'all know I, I like to split up the section and we look at it verse by verse, and we look at it, how do we read this, understand this, and apply this? Because in our modern culture, usually what church looks like is you come in, the pastor does a really cool sermon, I mean, illustrations, all these crazy things going on, but you leave usually thinking, okay, that was awesome, like, that was really cool, but what, what's next? How do I apply this? How do I live this? How do I look like Jesus? And so what we've been doing, as you know, the Sermon on the Mount, we go through and we dissect it and we look at it. And then more importantly, we live it. And that, that's what we're about here at Crossroads, man. We're not just reading the Bible to have head knowledge. That's not what we're here for. We're reading the Bible, understanding the Bible so we can live more like Jesus. And so this whole section, Jesus talks about the fact that if you do it for the praise of other people, whether that's giving or prayer, he says, surely you have your reward. He says, it's, it's already given to you. And so what's important is this. He says, if, but if you do it the proper way, the Father has a reward for you, and he will reward you. So what's important is we understand what Jesus meant by reward. Because we have a teaching that's gone around the American church called the prosperity gospel, that if you follow Jesus, you are going to be rich and wealthy and blessed, and your health is going to be amazing your whole life. And as long as you follow Jesus, man, you're going to get everything you ever wanted. I'm just going to tell you that's not true. Usually for a Christian, life is quite hard. And we go through a lot of struggles, and there's a purpose behind it. But I'm telling you, the prosperity gospel is a lie. And so we are going to look at what did Jesus mean by reward. Well, first off, Jesus did not mean material rewards. Jesus was not saying, if you do this the right way, man, you're going to get all you wanted. This is it. Behave, obey the word of God so you can receive what you wanted. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not referring to material rewards. And this is actually what he says. Those who only obey the word of God because they expect to receive rewards and riches will receive nothing from the Father. And so if we're only obeying Jesus because we want something from Jesus, guess what we're not going to get? What we want. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is not the genie in the bottle where you get three wishes. It doesn't work that way. And so for those who obey Jesus, which I know quite a few people, quite, quite religious people who will look down on you, 
You cannot obey Jesus expecting something in return. That's not how this works. We have to remember who Jesus is. He's the one who died on the cross to wipe your past clean. He's already done enough, y'all. If we think Jesus hasn't done enough, then we're missing the gospel. Number two is this. What is, what is Christian reward? It's this, a deep satisfaction and contentment in all seasons. So when we are obeying Jesus for the right reasons, we're not looking for material possessions, but we genuinely want to please our Father who is in heaven, there's a deep satisfaction and contentment in all seasons that sustains us. Paul writes, I know, I know we all know this, he says, I know what it's like to abound, and I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it's like to have the possessions of the world, but I also know what it's like to be poor. But what he says is this. He says, but in all seasons, right, in all seasons, he has learned to be content. Why? Because Paul knew that serving Jesus was not about what can I receive, right, but how can I be of service, And so we, as Christians, especially in this church, we cannot come only hoping to receive, but looking how we can be of service. And so through our service, through those right motives, we are given a deep satisfaction and contentment in all seasons. I can promise you, whenever I meet with someone in this church and we just have a good, meaningful conversation, there's a satisfaction that's in my soul that no amount of money could ever bring. When I know I genuinely help someone through a hard season or financially, not listen, Scripture clearly says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Not that I'm doing it for the glory, but knowing that I genuinely helped someone brings me all the satisfaction I need. No car, no house, no amount of money in my savings account, no matter how debt-free I was, it could never bring that same satisfaction as knowing that I did the work of Jesus. Number three is this. Whenever we do receive the award, it's funny because what happens is in the American culture, we usually think that a reward is something that makes life easier. But in the Christian faith, guess what happens? He trusts you with more and he expects more. So number three is this. We're trusted with more work for the kingdom. And this is the paradox of the Christian faith that our reward is actually more work. You actually got to do more. But how beautiful is that, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords trusts us to do his work. And the more we serve him faithfully with the right motives, he's not just going to give us an easier life. Our life is probably going to get harder. My life has gotten a lot harder since becoming a pastor. It genuinely has. Caring for a hundred plus people is not easy. It's not easy. But the satisfaction I get deep within my soul is so worth it. And I know when more work is put upon me, I know it's a reward from the Father. Now, if more was taken away from me, I should be concerned. Guys, as Christians, don't be excited when you're doing less. I'm telling you right now. Because if you're doing less, it's probably because the Father realized he could not trust you in specific areas. So don't be excited when you're doing less. Be excited when it just seems like more things are falling on your plate for the kingdom. Y'all, I've had to learn that. Like this morning, when everything seemed to be going crazy. Well, guess what? As the shepherd of this house, it's my job to protect the flock. Even if that means pouring salt all over the ground outside so no one falls. He trusts me with this house, so guess what? I'm going to do what he asked me to because that's my reward. Not less work, but more work. Number four, last is this. When we serve Jesus the right way, our reward is a deeper understanding and awareness 
of our union with Jesus. Our union with Jesus. How many times have y'all heard me say union with Jesus? Probably about 500,000 times at this point. But when we serve him, we're genuinely striving after his purposes. We have a deeper understanding and awareness of our union with Jesus. What's our union with Jesus? Our oneness with Jesus. Because Jesus is not stuck in the friend zone. No, 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 y'all. We made a covenant with Jesus, and now we are walking in union with him. And I think that's the most beautiful reward out of all of it. Jesus is the reward. How often do we forget that in, in the church? That Jesus himself is the reward, not what Jesus gives, not even what Jesus can do for us, but that Jesus himself is our reward. And so we have to completely shift our thought process before we can even understand what Jesus was saying in this scripture. Because I know for myself, man, when I'm thinking of rewards, I'm thinking bonus checks. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking all these things given to me, a present, a surprise, whatever it is to me, that's a reward. But it's not that way in the Christian faith. A reward is not what you can get, it's what you can give. And the more we're rewarded, guess what? We're expected to give even more. So let's move over to verse 1. We're actually getting to our scripture now. Now that we have a clear understanding of the Christian reward, let's get into verse number 1. And this is right things from wrong motives, all right? So what does this say? Let's look at what it says. Verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So clearly, what is he saying? Don't do the right things out of the wrong motives. Don't do the right things to be seen. Don't do the right things to be rewarded. What he's, when he says you have no reward with your Father in heaven, what he's actually saying is this. You have already been paid in full. Your reward, your reward is that. Just that, being praised by other people, being seen by other people. Because when our heart motive is for the praise of ourselves, y'all, let me give you an example. So guilty of this when I was in Bible college. Me and my friends were downtown. I probably told this story before. We were downtown, right? There was a homeless guy. I was like, oh, yeah, look, my friends are going to think I'm amazing if I go and buy him a cheeseburger. I went to McDonald's. I bought him a cheeseburger, not even for him. I didn't genuinely care about helping that man. I wanted my friends to think I was super spiritual. So what was my reward? My friends thinking I'm super spiritual. Jesus told us that how you treat others out of a genuine heart is how you treat him. He says at the end when he separates the goats from the sheep, he's going to look at the sheep and he says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was cold, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And they look at Jesus and they say, Jesus, we never gave you anything. But he says, no, 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 no. As you do unto one of these you do the same to me. And so I received my reward. What was it, 10 seconds of my friends thinking I was cool or something? I received my reward. So what that scripture is saying, when you are practicing these righteous deeds only to be seen by other people because you want, you want people to think you're spiritual or you want people to think you're this or that, he says that's your reward. You're getting nothing from the Father because you didn't do it for the Father in the first place. Don't you love how hard the teachings of Jesus are? Like Jesus hurts my feelings, man. Like, every, every time I read the Sermon on the Mount, I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, I'm the worst. But thank you, Jesus, that I walk in union with you because you are changing me and transforming me. So we have to understand right off the bat that if, if I'm just up here preaching because I want y'all to think I'm cool, God's not blessing this church because I already received my reward. And the anointing flows from the head down. 
If I'm just up here praying because I want y'all to think I can say the coolest or best prayers, I already received my reward, and that prayer is not going anywhere. God's not hearing that prayer. And so when we do things, right, 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 churchy things from the wrong motives, we already received our reward, and it's not from the Father. And so I genuinely believe in the modern church era, the reason we see the church is the way it is, is because we've been so focused on the social media era, and everyone's watching us, and we got to be perfect in these things, that we lost sight of who we're actually doing this for. We lost sight of the Father. And Ecclesiastes 5.2 actually tells us this. He says, you are on earth, God is in heaven. Speak to him with few words. And I feel like in the church, we're, we're so quick to rush into the presence of God like he owes us something. And so we as this church are bringing our focus back to Jesus. That he doesn't owe us anything, but we owe him everything. And we're going to serve him not because we want people to think we're amazing, but that we're serving him because he has saved our souls and we owe him everything. So before we get in how to give, I always think it's important to talk about how not to. Does anyone else ever need that? Yeah, I'm the type of person, when I'm training, don't tell me just how to do it. Tell me what I don't need to do. Tell me how not to do this. And so for me, when I'm learning, I don't just want to know the answer. I want to know how not to get there. And so we're going to look at how not to give. Number one is begrudgingly due to the fear of punishment. Many of us who grew up in church... We're told if you did not give, you will never be blessed. And so what did we do? We started to give not because we wanted to, but because we felt like we had to. Anyone else been there? Terrified. If I don't give offering, oh, I'm going to be poor. I'm never going to get a job. I'll never graduate college. I'm not going to have anything if I don't give. But can I tell you that mindset is not pleasing to the Lord? Giving begrudgingly out of fear of punishment does not bring glory to God. And it does not please him. The last thing a loving father wants is for you to be afraid of him. And so I also feel like we always forget that God is the God of love. And he loves his children. And so if we're living out of fear of him, well then that love is obviously not reciprocated. Perfect love destroys all fear. And so number one is it's not pleasing to God. So don't give this way. Don't give out of fear because you think if you don't give, God's going to smite you or kick you out of the family. That's not how that works. Number two is this, how not to give. Hoping to receive praise and recognition. So what does this mean? Giving to receive the glory to yourself and not the glory of the Father. And so I've been in church, y'all, I've been in church my entire life. I, I've seen both examples. I've seen some Christians so afraid that if they didn't tithe, they thought they were going to die. But I've also seen those who give and make sure everyone knows how much they give. Y'all, the older church literally had a board of like who gave the most money that month in tithes and offerings. Some people in this church in the past have asked me to do the same. I'm just saying, no. Absolutely not. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Both of those are how we should not give. We always give, give to the glory of the Father and not to receive, but for the act of giving, knowing that he is the one who gave everything good to us in the first place. So I want to share the great rule of giving. We've all heard this. I'm not teaching you anything new. This is the Bible. 
not teaching you anything new. The, gate, the great rule of giving is this. We must give to others as Jesus Christ gave himself to us. We must give to others as Jesus Christ gave himself to us. The King of kings and the Lord of lords died upon a cross for us, for me, Jacqueline, for you. He died for us. And so as he gave everything he had to us, not only his death and his resurrection, but there's an, an inheritance waiting for us in heaven. He's given us everything. It's already there for us. In the new heavens and the new earth, he's already preparing it for us. And so just as he has given everything to us, we must in turn think of other people the same way. Right? We are meant to be imitators of Christ. The gifts that are acceptable in the eyes of the Father are those given out of an abundance of the heart. The motive must be love. We talked about agape love, what was that, two weeks ago? Because we closed church last week due to winter storm that never happened. Um, we had more of a winter storm this weekend than we did last. I'm like, what in the world? So frustrating. I just, I'm never looking at the weather report in South Carolina again. It's depressing. I can't. But we talked about agape love, right? Benevolence and goodwill towards humanity. And when we see people through that lens, I'm not getting into that all over again, but when we see people through that lens, which in a reality is to see a need and to fill a need, as God does for every single one of us, just by the air we breathe, the food on our tables, the roof over our heads, some less fortunate than others, but they're still living. There's still breath in their lungs. We, just as God the Father, remember being God-like people, are meant to act in the same way. And I'm trying to do better. I'm not a rich man by any means, but I'm even trying to do better with my money, blessing other people. Because, y'all, it's important. I don't care how much money I have in my savings account. If I'm not blessing other people with what God is giving me, I'm not a rich man by any means, but he has given me what I have in order to bless other people. Even those of us who aren't millionaires, he's giving us in order to bless other people, not because of what we can receive from it, but to see a need and fill a need. So when Jesus is talking about giving, in that culture, almsgiving, so giving to the poor was about one of the best things you could do. I mean, dude, they, rabbinic saying was this, if you give alms, your sins are forgiven. So, I mean, they, they put almsgiving to the poor as a high, highest standard as you even being forgiven of your sins. So the reason Jesus is saying this is because in his culture, the rich people would come into the synagogue they see all the poor people sitting outside because, y'all, if you didn't know, that's why all the homeless people sat outside the synagogues because almsgiving was so big in that culture. And so they'd go in there shaking their money bags. I'm here to give. I'm here to give. And then the people would come flocking to them. But who, who's getting the glory from that? Right? It's, it's the one who's giving. And so Jesus is in the synagogue teaching, and he's looking around him, and all these people are shaking money bags. So Jesus, right, is thinking to himself, how dare they? In the house of the Father, how dare they receive all the glory into themselves? And so this is why Jesus said, don't give so you can receive the glory from others. Don't give for the purpose of people seeing you. And it falls on the same of us today in the church. Now, when we give as a faith family, we're doing that for a purpose. Because there's power when the people of God give together. But if we're standing on the street corner or going out and doing good deeds to be seen, what does that tell us? We already received our reward. The being seen was your reward. And it doesn't do you much good five minutes later. It's over. But when we give out of a heart of abundance, God pours out onto us. Let's move to verse 5. Verse 5 through 8. How to pray. 
And once again, we're going to talk about how not to pray. This is right from Jesus' teaching. Six things, how not to pray, which I think is going to be very important for us today. How not to pray. Number one is this. Do not be dependent upon already formulated prayers. Who, know, who knows the uh, blessing over your food? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Right? We know those. Right? And so the number one thing in Jewish culture was, y'all, they had a prayer for absolutely everything. Y'all, they had a prayer for using the bathroom. It's literally like, God, thank you for helping my bowels move today. No, literally. I'm not joking. I'm not. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not. I'm serious. Dead serious. And so Jesus was warning them that how can a prayer to your father be personal if it's just written down? You're just reciting something. You know, we're just as guilty. How many of us have genuinely blessed our food without that recited prayer recently? And so when we lose focus that this isn't just a religious tradition or a religious duty, we stop actually thanking God for what he's giving us. And we've turned it into a tradition. It's not genuine. It's a tradition at this point. And so Jesus warned us, do not be dependent upon already formulated prayers. Number two is this, only praying at certain times in the day. Okay, so the Jewish people would pray at 9 a.m., at noon, and 3 p.m. And they worked their whole work schedule, their whole day around being in the synagogue at those time periods. Are we as Christians really any different? You might pray when you wake up, but do you talk to God any other time? You, you, you may pray before you go to bed, but are you talking to God any other time? And so Jesus was warning us, don't be dependent on only praying at certain times of the day. This is why Paul said, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Acknowledging God in everything you do. And so what were the Jewish people doing? At 9 a.m., at noon, and 3 p.m., those were the only times they associated God with their day. And they prayed only at those specific times. So we, as the American church, have to be careful that Sunday mornings are not the only times we're praying. Because I know, I know some people, this is your church for the week and you're done. You heard your Bible sermon, you got your worship songs in, you may listen to a Maverick City or Hill song throughout the week, but that's about it. But y'all, it's so much more than that. And it's so much deeper than that. We cannot be dependent upon certain times of the week or certain times of the day. Number three is this, associating prayer with a place or building. We're guilty of that as well. The Jews depended upon the synagogue. You had to be in the synagogue to pray. We as Christians in the American church think you have to be in the church to pray. But that's where we got it wrong. What's the church? What's the church, y'all? We're the church. This building is just where we happen to gather. This is where we have our church gatherings. This is where we come together. But when we leave this place, we are the literal kingdom of God moving into the earth. And everywhere we go, if we're intentional, we can gain territory for the kingdom of God. But it's not this house. And so if we attribute everything we do spiritual to this place, well, then the only time you're ever going to be effective spiritually is in this place. But y'all, that's once a week. I guarantee you no one ever became a professional athlete by practicing once a week. It's a lifestyle, man. This cannot be the only time you worship. This cannot be the only time you pray. It's a lifestyle. Got to train yourself. Y'all, we come together for equipping and training so you can then be sent out. 
But if you're not going, it's kind of defeating the purpose. Number four, extremely long prayers to seem spiritual. Hmm. How many of you have, have, have experienced that? That's, y'all, I'm just being honest. That's why I'm careful about who I let pray with this microphone. I'm being honest. Sometimes it'd be like, all right, um, hey, fam, uh, church gathering, will you pray for our lunch? 30 dang minutes later, you're like, come on now. There's a chicken wing with my name on it. God, thank you for this food. Who has heard me pray over church gatherings? I say, God, thank you for this food. Amen. And we eat. Because he already knows I'm thankful for that chicken wing in my stomach. So listen, we ain't got to be hyper-spiritual around one another. We're spiritual people. The God of the universe, his very spirit lives inside of us. We don't got to try to seem spiritual. We are spiritual beings. So for everyone in this church, if I ever ask you to pray, sweet, simple, to the point. We love it because God already knows what we need before we ask him. Number five, speaking more than listening. I am so guilty of this. When praying, I speak more than I listen, and it is so dangerous because the answer I needed may have been there if I would have just stopped and listened. The guidance I needed, the decision-making I needed could have been in that moment, but I was too busy complaining my needs to God, like he didn't already see me where I was, knowing exactly what I needed. So Jesus warns us that when you pray, you also have to be listening Because praying is not a one-way monologue, it's a dialogue. So if we're sitting there, God, I need this, God, I'm mad, God, my week sucks, blah, blah, blah. What if he was there trying to comfort you in that moment and you completely missed it? Y'all, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's never going to take you and shake you. The Holy Spirit's going to whisper in your ear, calm you down. You just got to be ready to listen. Number six is this, praying to be seen by others. Which, y'all, thankfully, this church is not like that. But some churches are like that. People don't pray throughout their entire week, but they show up on a Sunday morning and they want that microphone. When it's their time to shine, boy, they are ready to shine. They got that prayer memorized, rehearsed, written down for five weeks, ready to go. It's true. But y'all, our prayer, while in a corporate setting, is acceptable. But y'all, that prayer has got to be a staple in our lives. It's got to be a staple in our lives. And with our small groups, who has enjoyed their small group so far? Yeah, that's good. Like, it was awesome to see the small groups literally filled up. That's amazing. And so what's amazing about small groups is we get to go more in-depth about these things that we're discussing during service, during gathering. And we get to go deeper and help one another pursue deeper because, y'all, prayer has got to be a staple of the believer's life. It's got to be. It has to be. Because, listen, I can stand in front of you for an hour, screaming, yelling, preaching the best sermon you ever dang heard. But if I was not praying throughout my week, my words have no power. So be careful who you listen to on YouTube, on podcasts, because just because they sound good does not mean they are good. 1 John chapter 4 tells us this. It says, test every spirit. Y'all, I've been given a lot of lip service in my life, but it's usually those who give the best lip service are the ones you can't rely on. So be careful about who you're listening to just because they sound good. I'll give you two great rules for prayer. Two great rules for prayer. Number one is this. All true prayer must be offered to God alone. It can't be for ulterior motives. Number one, it can't be because you want something from God. That that prayer is going to fall to the ground. It can't be just because you want something from God. 
Y'all, that is a very dangerous place to be when you look at God as the big grandpa with endless pockets. You can't do it. It's dangerous. But also, you can't do it for recognition from people. It's dangerous. Prayer and prayer alone has to be unto God. And that's why he says, go to your prayer closet, because it's really hard to have ulterior motives when you're by yourself. So he says, be careful where you are when you pray. That's why he says, get alone in your quiet place, because it's a lot easier to just focus on God when it's just you and God. So we have to make sure our prayers to God and God alone. And number two is this. We must always remember that the God we pray to is the God of love who is more ready to answer our prayers than we are to actually pray. Did you hear me? God is the God of love. The very God we pray to is actually more ready to answer your prayer than you are to pray a prayer. We don't have to beg him. We don't have to beat on the doors. We don't have to cry in agony and pain, hoping and hoping he'll hear us. Guys, he hears you. When you come to him with true things from a true, pure heart, broken, needing him, needing the touch of his Holy Spirit, he's not sitting afar off from you. He is with you at all times. That's the beauty of the omnipresence of God. He is with us at all times, in all places, there. All good and perfect gifts are from the Father. Y'all, he wants to answer our prayers. So when we as a church are saying, God, make us a true impact player in our community. Truly help us to touch the lives of those in our community. God, bless us so the back of our church can become a community center for, for the community. To have a place for the kids to have a safe place to play, to do homework, for the parents to have a place to go. God bless us with that. Guess what he's going to answer? He's going to answer that prayer. And I genuinely believe in the next couple years or so, we are going to have a community activity center back there. And it's going, to be, it's going to be legal. It's going to be fully set up. Everything's going to be in order. And we're going to be a light to the community. Not just because we sit in here on Sunday mornings, but because we are out in the community shining the light in the darkness. And so when we pray these big prayers, right, about our church, who we want to be, what we want to do, God wants to answer those prayers. We as a church, though, have to check our motives in our heart. We have to make sure that when we are praying these things, why are we praying them? Our, I heard this quote. This pastor said, the reason the American church is so obsessed with numbers and their attendance is because we're so insecure. We want the other churches to think we've made it. We, we want our friends to think we got the best church they've ever seen. So we're insecure in ourselves because for some reason the gospel is not enough anymore. But the gospel is enough in this church. So we're, we're not wanting to grow. We're not wanting to succeed because we want praise. We are wanting to succeed because our mission here is to see souls saved and lives redeemed. And it would be amazing to see some miracles and wonders with that. But we're believing for these things, not because we want glory, not because I want to be a pastor of a megachurch. That's the last thing I want. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. That's not what we want here. We want to truly be Christians. And for too long, Christians have sat on the sideline just waiting and watching. We're not those people. We're not those people. Last week, we talked about Acts chapter 2. And we said, we can be that church. Y'all, I believe that. I believe we can be that church. I believe we can be that church that does life together that truly is with one another, that truly wants to see each other prosper. And I believe we can be those people that give to one another. That, yes, your church family, guess what? When you see a need, 
If you have the ability, feel the need. Pretty sure scripture tells us if you see a brother or sister in need, they need a jacket, they need a coat, they need food, and you say, brother, sister, I see you, I'm praying for you, what good did you actually do if you had the means to fulfill the need? So we, in this church, are not going to be a hyper-spiritual people, but we're going to be a real people following a real Jesus, really impacting real people with real things. That's who we are, man. So when we study these teachings of Jesus on how to give and how to pray, we take it seriously in this house. We truly, genuinely take it serious in this house. And I pray you take it seriously. Because every time, y'all, every time I have read through the scriptures and studied them, automatically I say, Jesus, I see it, and I'm going to change it. And y'all, that, that's what he wants from us. Jesus does not expect us to be perfect, but he expects us to know our purpose, and he expects us to at least try. For so long, y'all, I've, I've had Christian friends who are like, man, you know, like, God loves me no matter what I do. Oh, he does love you. He does. But man, you at least got to try Y'all, God is not expecting you to be perfect, and he's not expecting you to strive for his love. But he accepts his love to be reciprocated. And for love to be reciprocated, y'all, I know my, I love my wife. And in order to show her that, I'll clean the house. I'll vacuum the living room. Y'all, simple things. God is not expecting perfection. And he's not expecting us to always have it together. We're going to go through hard seasons that don't make any sense. But in those seasons, he expects us to at least try to at least pursue him, to at least seek his word. So we, as a house who wants to be a house of prayer, I'm excited starting tomorrow night, we're going to have prayer, prayer here at Crossroads, 6 p.m. Monday nights, we're going to have prayer. And I'm excited because I know not everyone's going to be able to make it, but I'm expecting great things to come out of that. Because when we come together to pray, I know God hears us. And I know he's going to answer those prayers. And I'm praying big things for some of you guys in this house because I know your needs. I know what you're going through. And we are believing that God is hearing our prayers because we're praying from the right motives. And when we give, we're giving from the right motives. And while we may not receive 5,000 people in this church, God is going to give us a deep satisfaction that gives us contentment in all seasons. He's going to give us more work to do for the kingdom. And we're going to grow in our awareness of our union with Jesus. Y'all, when we're aware of how close we are to Jesus, a lot of things fall by the wayside. Used to, if I didn't have time to prepare for my sermon on Sunday mornings and get my head right, I would have panicked. I would have had an anxiety attack. But y'all, this morning I was outside and it was all morning sprinkling salt outside. But when we're aware of our union with Jesus, it changes everything. The things that used to be so big aren't so big anymore. And what I'm really excited about is when we do this baptism. See, can you come grab this stuff? When we do this baptism, they're stepping into a deeper understanding of their awareness with Jesus. And when they go under and they come out, what did I say I expect to hear from you guys? A shout. Because we're about to celebrate together. And when they come out, man, they're going to have a deeper understanding of their union and a deeper understanding of what is happening here. So praise team, will you get up and lead us in worship? If you are planning on being baptized, this is the time for us to go get ready. And once you're ready, you're going to meet me over here on the side. All right, so those of you who are getting baptized, this is the time to get changed and get ready. And the rest of the congregation worship while we're in there because we're about to have a celebration.
together. You know, I like it that way anyway. I wish we were all standing close together. Anybody can come up. Thank you. 